Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. Today's episode really encapsulates the vision to dream it forward and how to actualize that reality. At this time of global transition, we'll be drilling into exactly what's changed and critically what's to navigate what's to come next. Many organizations have undergone fundamental changes in their ways of working and Amber dexterity to change will be key moving forward. I think really at personal team and organizational levels too. It's that critical capacity to move beyond being resilient but often a reactive victim of circumstance, to become more proactive and agile to change, capable of developing the business you want to see for tomorrow, whatever that may entail. And to do exactly this, I'm delighted to be joined by Dave Silk, who is Chief Marketing Officer at Mitel, a global leader in business communications and collaboration products worldwide. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> Likewise, absolutely. And I think what a time to be talking about transition. So much happening um, right across the world at the moment, particularly the transition we're seeing around hybrid working, for example, as well. The working practices have changed due to many reasons, the pandemic being one of them. Um, but there's been a lot of other things coming to, to pass as well, I would say, a kind of tipping point of different factors interrelating. From your perspective, what have you seen as the biggest drivers to change in working and communication practices over this time, but also maybe how behaviours and expectations are changing too, you know, both from consumers, but also as employees as well? Yeah, it's, um, it's a great question. It's, it's challenging because I think we need to almost take a, a rewind back to March of 2020. I even have to get the, the years right when we all just got forced into an immediate reaction when the pandemic hit. So we, we kind of, at Mitel, you know, we spend a lot of time just helping customers on, on communications challenges. The first thing we had to do was to help customers to simply react, uh, react to keep their businesses going, react to communicate, react to have conversations when everybody was forced to, to be at home. And you fast forward, what are we now, nearly 20 months, 18 months later, a lot has changed, but a lot is the same. So... I think we saw an immediate reaction, Sally, that everybody had to, you know, really figure out what they needed to do to keep their businesses alive and going. Uh, And now we're seeing a completely different dynamic where people are trying to figure out not just hybrid workplaces, but how they're going to reuse space, their own pace, their own culture. I think each of us as individuals have had the opportunity to, you know, really inspect ourselves and redefine what it is that we want. So, it's a, it's a great, interesting opening question. And I think that, um, you know, flexibility, choice will be absolutely paramount as, as we all move forward from here. Absolutely. I love those kind of three pillars you mentioned there, space, place, pace. I think you're absolutely spot on. And it's just so many different types of factors coming together as well, isn't it? So obviously we've had the, the catalyst of COVID, but other areas, you mentioned reflection there. I think um, consumers are becoming more conscious. You've know, got the rise of ESG and not just transparency around um, you know, what organisations are looking to do, but actually the actions around that as well. You know, COP26 around the corner, but also tech convergence more broadly, all these different things coming to play. And I think all the research is starting to show that you know, trends, expectations, behaviours, et cetera, these are things that are set to last because of the sheer scale that this, that this has happened at. So I think it's really interesting times, very, very dynamic indeed. And I'd love to drill in a bit more 
about the support you've given as an organization that Mattel's done for employees, but also customers, obviously, as well, right across that ecosystem around uh, not just the technology, but also the operational, the cultural aspects of all this change. So how have you been supporting directly with kind of actualizing this move from more remote to hybrid working? Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and again, I'd stress, Sally, it's a, it's a continuous process that, that evolves. I mean, we, my tell has been, we've been, <clears throat> I suppose, fortunate and unfortunate at the same time, fortunate that we've been able to help. There's, there's probably upwards of 30 to 40 million customers of Mitel uh, across the world. Um, here in the UK, for example, the Anna Freud Center, uh, the British Red Cross, just two examples, Liverpool Football Club of customers that back in March had to immediately reset how it is that they were going to, to work. Uh, we played a fundamental role in that initially by making sure that we were providing the tools to allow communications and collaboration, be that uh, simple uh, working remotely from home, opening up video to uh, everybody. We, we were working on a, on a solution uh, which was a Mitel video meetings, um, which we weren't planning to release, but we decided to make that free for all of our customers uh, as soon as we realized the, the scale of the pandemic. So we, we went from a immediate reaction, working with customers to answer the most simplest problem they face, which was how do I keep communicating with my customers and with my employees? Uh, and we've since moved that on into really opening up harder conversations around, well, you know, what are we likely to see moving forward? How is it going to change? How has that workplace changed? How are the individuals changing? We're finding it really interesting that we're having conversations with companies that are involved in uh, the future of office design, the future of work, uh, as they look at the, you know, the, the integration of the physical, the integration of the virtual, the spatial, uh, all of those things coming together. So, yeah, it, it's been a really interesting, challenging uh, emotions that run every gamut of the spectrum uh, in terms of how it is that you help your customers. And, and ultimately, the focus has to be helping customers to continue to communicate, to make sure that their workers feel that they're working in a, a safe environment, serving customers. Uh, and that's a challenge that uh, we should be under no illusion that we will all continue to face for the, the months and years to come. Absolutely. Some great examples there. And I love the fact that it's it's across quite a range of aspects. So you know, we've got the technology side, so the support you've given around integration and asynchronous team collaboration, but also things like low code and no code. Um, but beyond that as well, I love the fact that you're mentioning around like the, the physical design aspect of that, you know, the socialization spaces. I was reading some research just the other day that was talking about, you know, air pollution, for example, and 90% of our time is, is now indoors. Uh, and that's not just a, you know, a COVID impact, but bad air quality has a productivity impact as well, and well-being and time out of the office for other reasons. There's so many different kind of hybridity across that physical space um, and the digital space coming together. So it's really, really interesting. And obviously the analytics you provide there, that video example too, to support all these things and that reflection about what to do next. So it's really, really interesting combination. And you mentioned there about the challenge. I'd love to know well, what did you learn the most, you know, maybe yourself in your role or just as an organization more generally? And then we can drill into some of the research that's just been conducted about that as well. At a personal, I mean, I, I think I'm a, I'm a good example of what a lot of people went through and continue to go through. I am a, the chief marketing officer for a billion dollar company with three and a half thousand employees that serves, you know, upwards of nearly 40 million customers. And I live on the West Coast of Ireland. 
and for I live in Galway, and for many many years, my life was uh, travel uh, during the week. You're home for weekends, and you live two disparate lives. Two they're integrated, but they're separate, and they kind of come together in, in lots of strange different ways. And then all of a sudden, you're 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 forced into an environment by which you can't move, and very very quickly you become dependent on the tools that you have, but also a very, very small environment that you can operate of. And certainly for me, and I, and I think a lot of our customers went through this process as well, there's that first, oh my goodness, how, how do you even get your head around all of these things and how are we going to be able to continue to communicate? And I, I think we all, we all figured that part out relatively quickly. And then as time went on and we got a little bit itchy on you know, how are we going to get back communicating and collaborating? And if it's going to remain virtual, how can we, how can we spice that up? How can it be more energetic? We started to think about, you know, bringing more energy into that virtual world, really thinking about the experience for any user who has to spend eight, sometimes 10 hours a day uh, on a video. Uh, and that continues to evolve today by which you're beginning to look at Lots of studies that are looking at productivity, uh, lots of studies that are looking at creativity, how it is that we begin to blend that uh, physical and, and virtual environment. But certainly from my perspective, I think the, the, the greatest learning I had as an individual was just the importance of flexibility, the importance of making sure that you put time, literally time for self to create that space, because if you didn't, uh, it was so easy for your work and your home and every other life just to blend together into one continuous. And, and I don't think that was a healthy thing for every for anybody. So, Sally, I, I would say that the major learning for me and then for us and certainly any customer that we've worked with over the last year and a half has been, you know, drive flexibility, listen and spend the time to understand. If you can get to empathy, that's fantastic. But Take the time to listen to the challenges, the unique challenges that people are dealing with, uh, because they'll, they'll all be different and we have to be able to react to that. Absolutely. That's very, very well said. What a lovely part of the world to be living in, by the way, as well. It's one of my favorite places. That's fantastic. I love that. Brilliant stuff. It is lovely. And um, you mentioned there about research, and you're right, it's that time of the year as well, I think, where some really interesting research is coming out. And there's been that time to actually reflect on that longer period about how people have been, a bit in, been adapting. And I know Mytel has been involved in two new research pieces called 451. Yep. Um, really interesting in this because there are some areas that you might expect, you know, for example, organizations that are really leading around digital transformation. Um, it's given them a massive head start in that transition to a more hybrid model of work. But there's also some really revealing results as well. And you mentioned creativity. I think another key word of the year is about curiosity. And I've been very curious about some of the findings that, that are coming out of these two studies. So I'd love if we could drill into some of those. So maybe thinking about particularly productivity as an example and the impact these changing ways of work have actually had that, which has surprised what a lot of thought, people thought would actually happen. Yeah, I love the word curiosity. I think it's the it's such a brilliant word in terms of you, you say to anybody if you're curious about something and I think you can evoke a response just by that that simple word. I'm I'm curious to understand what you as an individual are going through and, and the challenges that you've faced. And when we as a company look at research, it is from that curious nature to understand the challenges that companies and individuals are facing. Uh, there was lots of interesting research 
from the 451, the statistics that came back, a lot of focused on. I don't think these things would have surprised us in terms of the every company w- was faced an immediate transformation challenge. A lot of companies, nearly 43% companies, believe that that will be significant moving forward. But there was a really significant statistic that we came across, which was that only 19% of companies felt less productive having to work from home during the pandemic. And again, the curious nature of me began to think through how is it only 19% given the balance of challenges that individuals face? A simple example is the, you know, a, a couple working from home, trying to manage maybe a young family, uh, one or two people working, the balance of schooling their kids, working themselves, maybe dealing with parents. Um, that must be incredible. But to only see that as 19% that felt that the experience was less productive, uh, I actually found quite interesting. Uh, and again, the curious nature of me began to think, I, w- I wonder, are there more things there that we, we don't know? And the real value of research is it just paints an initial picture. I think the really important piece to do is to dig then below and again, spend that time listening to the individual challenges that maybe that wider picture doesn't exactly show you. Absolutely. It kind of reminds me of some of the things we've seen. So when when we've jumped on, particularly in the early days, when we were jumping on video calls, for example, and maybe having like a weekly team check-in, whatever it might be. I think one of the things that that I've seen a real difference about is, again, I'm going to go back to my curiosity word. You would see things in the background. So it might be a particular picture on a wall or a little momentum on a shelf or something like that. And you'd ask different types of questions. I think it helped people to see their whole team in a different light and get to know people on a different level. So I think some of those things have fed into that as well. So around productivity, but also maybe team cohesion and getting to know that people, we talk about 360 a lot, don't we, in terms of visibility in organizations, but I think it's given us a different kind of overall feel of everyone we're working with. And I think in the right way, that's actually helped redefine and enhance relationships as well as one example. I actually think that's a really brilliant point that you've made of what video and collaboration has done, it's it's opened our homes and we've provided an intimacy to people that we may well have been very guarded to beforehand. Um, that intimacy might be as simple as, you know, the, the dog on the couch beside you. Oh my goodness, you know, two years ago, if I had a dog, somebody saw the dog or, or a kid walk in during a video call, it would have been chaos. Stop the video. This is just <laughs> now, now it's, oh my, what type of dog is it? And you're, you're interested in the the whole person, because I think we're all craving for that intimacy that virtual can give it to you to a certain extent. And we're blessed that, you know, it, it's amazing to see some of the economic rebound in the face of COVID, um, which really has come from our ability to be able to to work from home and to continue to be virtually very, very productive. The other interesting piece has been that intimacy that it has provided. Uh, it's allowed us to get to know people in, in a different way. I would expect that now as we move into that mixed world of, of, of physical and virtual, that's going to play a really unique part because we'll be able to relay stories of the last two years that before technology, there's just no way we would have been in that position. And that's going to be an interesting one to, uh, to explore, which is the uh, how do I remarry that virtual world of how I've gotten to know somebody over the last two years with uh, doing that in person again And uh, yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to see how that works out. I couldn't agree more. And similar around the events um, industry as well. Um, So I'll be heading to the States in in a month's time. Um, 
to actually doing an event there in person for the first time in well, probably 18, 19 months, something like that. Um, but again, what I love about that is that, that, that excitement that, you know, about being in person again, but equally the fact that it's still being backed up by, you know, with the amazing kind of communication technologies like yourself, really democratizing access to that content globally as well. So I think it's a real opportunity again as an example there about that best of both worlds approach in terms of really valuing everything about in person, but equally keeping the increasing, you know, quality we've had around, around, you know, the virtual interactions, et cetera, as a way to keep that education and awareness out there and get more people access to information that could be valuable to them so i think it's a really really exciting kind of coming together next year of these different aspects yeah i i do too and i described my first trip to london was three weeks ago and having come from you know what was could only be described as a as a bubble in, in the west coast of ireland into london was it was sensory overload it was you're you're just thrust back into into society and and, and that definitely takes an adjustment and I, I think technology is going to play a couple of different roles that are going to be fundamental moving forward. The first is we're without a doubt going to see increased automation. And you can see that happening every single day in terms of far less physical contact, any opportunity to remove that physical touch um, to you know counter the spread of, of, of virus. You're, you're seeing in everything. You see it in a shop, in a hotel. It's rarely you check in now with a person. It's all on the app, the same at, at airports. But I also think that we're going to have to really think through how it is that we don't go too far because the importance of people, the importance of people being able to interact with technology then to provide a service in addition to the warmth of people being able to provide that personal service, I think that'll be another ongoing lesson for us all as we as we begin to reemerge back into society. And, and, and I think we, companies like Mito have a really important role to play in that in terms of understanding, not necessarily just what we do as a company, but more importantly, the challenges that our customers face as they think about the myriad of ways that we can communicate and interact with our customers uh, and making sure that we can keep that experience as consistent as possible. But let's not forget the importance of that physical warmth that the person to person can provide because uh, I think we all need that too. Absolutely very very well said and and on that subject of all things social I wonder what your um, perspective was around the social aspect of distributed working and how we can better kind of support those different elements and so one example that sprung to mind to me is actually around mental health and I you know we've seen kind of mixed findings coming out around increased isolation but also increased coming together over this time so depending on where you look kind of different information's coming to the fore. And I was really heartened to see, for as an example, um, some information around like chatbots and conversational AI, saying that workers were feeling more comfortable and confident, for example, interacting with that as a medium to kind of share how you really feel. And it was almost that conduit to be able to then speak to a line manager, for example. So it's a great example of kind of tech being used in a way people don't necessarily expect as that, as that difference maker. I just wondered what your take on was there, what you're seeing around you know, the challenges of distributed working and where tech can make a difference. Yeah, it's a, again, it's a it's a great question because initially, again, going back into the, the beginning of the pandemic, what we saw were were bundled solutions, bring bring things together as quickly as you possibly can. Things being um, phone and video and collaboration, but it wasn't necessarily a blended experience. So what we were finding was that if an individual, and I, I'll definitely come back to the mental health piece in a second, but as an individual was interacting with a company, 
uh, whatever it may have been, it wasn't a holistic experience. And where we've really focused our efforts over the last couple of years has now been to make sure that if a customer is focused on serving, sorry, if a company is focused on serving their customers, how they offer that blended experience using technology back. Uh, examples of that are uh, click to chat or an initial AI supported chat box by which the first question might be answered very quickly. The secondary question may require uh, an agent uh, to have a further discussion, or uh, there's plenty of opportunities you know, using integrations within companies to be able to route any query to anybody who works in the organization. So what we're finding, Sally, is in a lot of cases, we're having to work now with companies on the integration of applications, the integration of experiences, the integration of people, so that they can provide a holistic experience back to the customers and, and answer questions or, or provide knowledge um, when it's very, very specific. As the, the mental health piece, I, I think, again, uh, you know, as, as a father of three well, nearly grown-up kids, but uh, I see the way that they interact with technology, which is completely different to the way I interacted with technology. As a first line, they uh, have learned very, very quickly over the last two years to make sure that they stay in constant touch with their friends. Uh, they've created online communities that then became ver or became video. Unfortunately, now they're able to get back into uh, the physical piece of it. A lot of sports clubs, uh, which I thought were brilliant, uh, enabled that reach out uh, very, very quickly on their websites or on Facebook, which was, you know, click here if you just want to have a chat or if you just want to check in with us or we're going to do a Friday night, you know, let's let's share a beer or a drink or whatever it may be. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who may not have had the ability to interact with technology or may have had a certain fear. You think of, of some of the older people who now, because of the, the pandemic, have been initially forced into using technology, but I think very, very quickly have learned to understand the benefits of what it can provide. Uh, and one thing it can definitely do is, is keep us connected. So uh, I think that's tremendously important and will be, as we, as again, as, as we continue to move forward. Absolutely. I think it's brought to that fore, isn't it? The real um, connection between connectivity and the actual connection between people. So I think we've, we've seen that on a, on a scale that's, that really is unprecedented. I, lo I love those examples. That's fantastic. And I'd love to drill a little bit more into that subject of productivity. So we, we've mentioned there, and you mentioned that 19% statistic in terms of the unexpected real well, kind of seizing of productivity increases. You know, I was speaking to a, a company that's based in Canary Wharf just, just last week, and they're reevaluating their, their space, their footprint, um, in terms of how do they want to design that differently because the productivity has increased um, so much, but also things around satisfaction and employee well-being as well. So I'd love to see what you think about, you know, we've touched some of the reasons potentially around that, um, but how do we sustain that? As we go more into this hybrid model of working, what do you think we need to look at? You know, what may be the key characteristics of this type of model looking ahead? First thing I'd say is listening and the, the importance of, <clears throat> and again, not listening just to the customer, but listening to the most important asset a company has are the people and the employees. And for probably too long, there was, there was lots of conversations around culture. There was lots of conversations around um the type of environment that we wanted to work in. I think what's happened now is we, we've got this blended hybrid workplace is that authentic culture is more 
is more than now. And what I mean by authentic culture is that companies who spend the time to listen to the needs and desires of their employees are redefining what that work place and space is. And that can be as simple as, look, I'm, I'm going to allow you complete flexibility. I trust you. I trust you to work from home. I can see using analytics that the productivity uh, is just as good, if not better, uh, than it was before. But I also recognize the need for that human interface, the creativity and the, and the collaboration. And we're going to really take a look at the environment. And I, I think even the word office is, is something that will change. I think the environment of where it is that we come to collaborate. So whoever pens the new term for office, which is going to be that space that we collaborate and uh, create together, um, you know, we'll end up working in real estate and we'll end up making lots and lots of money because they'll be able to sell something that, that doesn't really exist today. But uh, I do believe that, and we mentioned it right at the beginning, the, the importance of that space and place, because what that allows you to do is to create a pace it allows you to create a pace of how me as an individual wants to manage my life, including work, including how it is that I collaborate with my with my colleagues, that pace of how I balance the, you know, the, the challenge of the blended work from home where how do how do I stop my work life bleeding constantly into my home life? I need to be able to define that. Um, so very, very important for me, Sally, is is listening to understand the needs that allows you to develop an authentic culture that ultimately allows you to define the type of place and place that you want to work in. And I really think that culture has, be, has to become far more authentic uh, and it'll be based on listening to the needs of individuals as we, as we collectively begin to think through what we, what we all need. Absolutely. I, I love that. I, I'm trying to think now of this new word for the office. Uh, the one that's ringing in my head is collaboratory. That's, that's, what, that's as far as I've got on that one. Because I, I just think, you know, again, the nature of that space and how to maximise it, you know, things around design thinking and the, the project activity where you need to be together as one and the face-to-face, the, the -face, you know, with certain customer activity and things as well. But, but yeah, I'm going to go with that for the moment. That's my first stab at it, but I'll, I'll keep working on it. <laughs> If you think about real estate, real estate has always been defined as, you know, the, the square meters or square footage, and that defines the price depending on availability and demand. And more and more, I really do think we're going to redefine that based on the need and the space that individuals need. So if there is a real estate productivity algorithm that can be put in place that gives you a, a different um, cost per square meter because of the productivity of the space that you create, you're going to be onto something because... Um, the office will not be the traditional office. I think we've all learned the incredible power of, of what technology can do to allow us to communicate. It's harnessing that power now into a, a physical environment where we collaborate together. That's going to be the real trick. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And for anybody listening in that space, we'd love to hear some feedback on that as well. I think it's a really interesting kind of shout out. I'd love to see if anybody's doing something on that right now, because I think you're absolutely onto something there, Dave. I think that's spot on. Um, <laughs> I might just ask you one final question on this particular area. So given what we've spoken about so far, what do you think this means from the experience? Because I think personalization experience is another thing that's come to the fore. You know, multi-channel, omni-channel, not the same things, are they? Um, so I just wondered what you think about that, what you're seeing there, and how that will affect the future of the workforce as well. Because, again, just from, from my perspective, I think consumer expectations have, have raised um, around what 
we can do and expect from technology. I think so as employees. And because of that fusion, we're kind of expecting that same level of sophistication from our comms tools that we see, you know, with, that, with kind of like the diary in our pockets as a spoke with our phones and stuff like that, that we expect from our employee communication tools as well. So I'd love to see your take on that. Without a doubt, it'll become a... I'm, I'm nearly saying singular experience, but it'll be a collective singular experience. And by that, I mean, if, if you're working within an organization that has a heavy consumer focus with, with customers, making, ensuring that every employee has access to the right tools, which are driven through workflows to be able to serve any customer will become critically important. Because I think gone are the days that if you and me are consumers, contact any company, we're not expecting the person that we're handed off to after the first phone call or first text to ask us the same questions. The expectation is they know exactly my account details, the challenge I'm facing, the previous solutions, uh, and they're going to have a personalized conversation um, based on knowledge and fact that's going to be served up by technology. And I like the way you, just, you, asked, you, you probed on the multi-channel versus the omni-channel, and real difference between the two is the integration. So omni-channel in, in providing that pervasive experience by which a customer is ensured that everybody that they're working with understands their challenges, allows for that personalization and experience. And, and there's no doubt moving forward that the personalization of experiences will become the norm. Um, the, you know, the, the technology is there. One of the really interesting things that happened as part of COVID was that the technology was always there. The technology for remote working was there. What wasn't necessarily there were the use cases. And all of a sudden, the use case came to the fore, which was, it's a universal use case. The universal use case was get everybody back to work. The universal use case now is becoming more defined in terms of specific users and expectations and experiences. Um, but that consistent experience will become the expect expectation because of what we've all experienced over the past uh, 18 months. And we're going to see nothing but growth in that area when it comes to the personalization of those experiences. Absolutely. Very well said. Thank you. So it's that, it's that um, combination between personalization, the technology we've talked about, um, and, and the culture aspects as well. Holistic skills development is, is that fusion between personalization of experience, culture, holistic skills, and not just organizational adaptability to change, but also personal as well. So really interesting aspects if we look ahead there. It's fantastic. What will be interesting there is, again, I, I like the word fusion because I think we trip up ourselves when we talk about hybrid, um, the hybrid workplace, because everybody makes the assumption that that's either physical or virtual, and it's not. Um, it's far more detailed than that. In hybrid workplace is all about what technology enables you to do. It allows you to redefine how it is that you want to work how it is that you want to, to live and, and what pace that it is that you want to do that. The fusion of technology and work, yeah, that is, you know, enabling that. But I think we just need to be slightly careful that we don't define hybrid based on physical and virtual. It is also how it is allowing us to do completely new and different things. But the most important thing is how we allow individuals to make some of those decisions about how they're going to use the space and the pace uh, and redefine place themselves. So I think that's an important distinction. Definitely, definitely. I think for me that, that fusion word equates with ambidexterity. 
Yeah. Uh, but all those different levels we've looked at, so whether it's personal, it's team, it's organizational, and you're absolutely right. It's not this disparate, you know, we've got on one side digital and on one side personal and, and physical. It's, it's very, very different. And I think fusion at the moment is the best way to encapsulate that relationship. Yep. I couldn't agree more strongly. It kind of brings me on to maybe the final phase of our discussion today, and one I'd love to continue because there's so much, so many different elements we could go into on this, but kind of looking ahead, you know, future-proofing to a certain extent around what we need to put in place to help this more fusion workforce, let's use that phrase, for the future. So I'd love to see, you know, reflecting about all the different elements we've spoken about today. For you, what do you see as those key enablers to support these new evolving ways of working? Yeah, if you, you, you're actually making me use re, reword my blended word into either bl- blended fusion or something along those lines, because the, the, the bundle experience of where we started has evolved into that blended experience. And the most important thing that any company or employee needs to continue to think about is, is driving flexibility and, and agility, because the, the only constant will be change. That is for sure. I think that if any of us feel that um, because we're back traveling that all of this pandemic is is behind us. Um, unfortunately, I think we're, we're, we're going to be sorely wrong and we're going to need to continue to, to manage through circumstances that we just may not have thought about today. So over the past 18 months, uh, a real understanding of the flexibility of solutions that you put in place using the technology. Um, and, a, and a simple example of use of technology is is the cloud. It's the ability for companies to use applications that may not sit where they are today, but can just as easily be accessed in in the cloud. Companies really spending time, if they're working with a technology partner, having those conversations with the partner around where they see um, their future, where they see the culture that they're trying to create for not just their customers, but their employees, because I think we're going to see another fusion between customer and employee expectations and customers expecting that the employee experience of any company that they work with adheres to their own philosophy and what they would expect. So I think moving forward, again, this is one of those ones we could talk about for a week, but recognizing the flexibility, the adaptability, using technology to ensure that you are just constantly ready for change, recognizing and listening to the needs of your customers and your employees as you develop that authentic culture. All of those will be absolutely critical. And um, yeah, because the world will just continue to change, unfortunately. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest things, isn't it? And supporting all of this, you know, investment in, in culture and skills as well. I always say it's not just having access to skills. And you know, for example, we mentioned at the top about low code and no code, the rise of automation, for et cetera, as well. And that's affecting so many different roles. It's not just, you know, acutely tech facing ones, for example. So helping people have access to the latest opportunities with tech across all roles in the organization, but not just that, the kind of skills confidence to apply them as well. It's that combination, I think, that can help people feel confident that, you know, as you said, the only constant is change, but with that right kind of toolbox of technology, 
technology to work with and the skills investment too, you can feel more capable of navigating that whatever may come in the future. So I think you make some really good points there. And also just reducing complexity. You know, I think yeah. with you know governance and compliance, it's something like a thousand laws across the world at the moment that are directly related to aspects of that. And it's just accelerating, it's just heightening all the time. So managing that on a day-to-day basis, you know, again, the support you're doing around automation, I think could be really, really valuable around that too. Yeah, I agree. So when we think about safeguarding, given all of the above, and we've been talking about, you know, this rate of change, it's heightening, coming from all different kind of vectors in terms of, of heightening this as well. What would you kind of recommend in terms of, you know, going looking at continuity, really, to a certain extent about this future proofing for future events? It doesn't necessarily have to be a pandemic, but other things that can really put a spotlight on how you maintain your ways of working kind of periods of heightened challenge. Yeah, it's um, another great question. and. Again, we're, we're, we're fortunate we live in a world where redundancy is, is, is a positive thing in relation to making sure that if, for example, your systems, uh, if something happens, that you've got, you've got backup plans in place. The, the cloud is an amazing, it's not one piece of technology, a holistic enabler as we look for access and, it, and it's not held in any one particular location. So I think as, as companies continue to think through that, that safeguarding, it's making sure that they're really thinking through how do I make sure that if we end up back in another lockdown, for example, that all of my employees can continue to serve their customers and that experience is holistic. That's going to require an integration of workflows. It's going to make sure that all employees have access to whatever information they need. And the other critical piece is making sure that that home environment is just as effective as the office environment, making sure that broadband uh, equality, I think, will continue to be a massive issue. We all, you know, we take it for granted uh, if we have broadband, but when you don't, um, you experience a completely different level of inequality very, very quickly. And that that's going to be a big, big thing as we move forward, as will security. And, and I think security is a, it's a, it's a scary topic in relation to how companies safeguard their technology assets, the data, the incredible information that they hold on to. You cannot spend enough time thinking through and preparing for the challenges of, of securing your network and securing that, that, that technology infrastructure. Uh, and it's certainly not an area to underspend in uh, because we're going to see continued sophistication of, of, of attacks and all sorts of different things. So for me, it's all about making sure that you've got the backups in place, use the technology such as the cloud, make sure that that is you know, you've got your system backed up in there. Think through security in terms of how it is that you're going to manage in the in the event of, of something happening. And really importantly, think through the employee and customer experience and how it is that you're integrating it. But also, what are the challenges that your employer or customer may be facing that you haven't thought through? Broadband just being one example of that. That's a great example. I, I love that. I think superb points there. And on the security one as well, you know, supporting organizations of all sizes. You know, I think that spectrum from SME to, to enterprise is can be huge. And there's actually so much support available. And I know you're directly involved in this along all organizational sizes. There's so much out there. And you're right, the vector, you know, the threat areas are increasing, sophistication of attack, you know, kind of bad actors working together. It's another form of collaboration we've seen over this period of time as well. And I think you know, for SMEs alone, the, the threat increase has gone up 400%. 
Um, so right across organizational sizes, this is a huge challenge, but also an opportunity to, to, to build trust and do things in the right way um, and like embed you know, zero security trust, for example, um, within the organizational development. So yeah, so much that can be done there, a lot of support available as well. So we'll certainly share some assets around that after the podcast too. That'd be brilliant. And as we kind of go to kind of a final take perspective now on the episode, there's so many areas to follow up on here, Dave. I, lo- I love this conversation. And this is going to be a hard one to kind of end it on. But I'd love to see, you know, from your your role at MyTel and kind of your overall organizational position, as you're looking at evolving this business comms and collaboration roadmap ahead, how do you think you can best actualize? You know, what's your top kind of three takeaways around enabling true agility to change? Wow. That is a, yeah, it's a tough question because there's probably... 33 versus three. But, I know, um, and I apologize. I know, absolutely, it's a tough one. It's, again, I, I think a lot of the areas that we, we've spoken about, but continued flexibility and adaptability have to be number one because it's, I know it's it's such a overused saying, but that the, the only constant will be change. And it's really important. And I, and I do think that collaboration in all aspects will be critical for us all, collaboration in terms of how we do it through technology, how we do it as we think about whatever hybrid means to us in relation to, is that a place or a space? And and understanding that will be important, but also collaboration in terms of, I think SMEs are a great example of cross-collaboration as they think through issues such as security, as they think through issues such as the logistics, or it could be Brexit or whatever it may be. But collaboration doesn't necessarily have to be defined as a technology. Uh, It can be a community and and it can be a collaboration of just thoughts and shared experiences. And the final piece for me is is the recognition of culture. It's the recognition of authentic culture based on listening to the challenges and the needs uh, of individuals, because it's going to be reflected back, not just in your employees, but also on the values that customers will expect from any customer or any company that they're working with. And that is exactly the way that it should be. So I think I would, I would sum it up by the, you know, the flexibility, the collaboration, and, and just really listening as you develop that authentic culture to, uh, to recognize what it is that the challenges people are really facing. That's superb, Dave. I love that flexibility, collaboration, listening. And you also mentioned values there as well. I think that's so, so important. You know, organizations kind of using their sphere of influence, if you will, uh, across the ecosystem to effectively do well by doing good. And I've seen a lot of support that MyTel has been doing for organizations of all sizes to really support during the pandemic, but beyond for more community impact as well. Uh, as we mentioned before, I'm heading to COP26, you know, in, in shortly. And again, your work in that area is really impressive as well. So that, that's what I love to see. And it's great to learn more about that during our conversation today. It's a real privilege. Thank you. No, thank you. It's just been a, it's a fascinating conversation because you, you, we may start with a question around, you know, what have we learned and what is the pandemic, you know, what have we learned? And everybody will have learned something. I think the wonderful piece is to be able to have a conversation and, and share those experiences. And because no matter what I say in, in Galway, the West Coast of Ireland and in London today, my experience will be completely different to somebody else's. But the eagerness to listen, I love your word being curious to understand what it is happening. Uh, I thought, I think we can all learn so much from each other. Just take the time to listen. Definitely. That's a wonderful final takeaway. I think mine will be as well. I think we've seen a few examples of this today as well, that actually 
through change and stability coming together, they can actually be congruent if you treat them in the right way and embed all the support that we've talked about, you know, across technology, across culture, across values, that listening and that curiosity that's come out so strongly as well. So actually one doesn't have to be disparate from the other. They can be mutually supportive. So thank you so much, Dave, for our lovely conversation, Duff. So enjoyed it and for all the work that you're doing to support organisations across the globe right now and into the future. My pleasure, Sally. Thanks for having me. Thank you. A pleasure. And for everybody listening as well, thank you so much for your time and joining us today. And I'll be sharing more assets so you can dive in deeper to some of the examples we've talked about too. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.